street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at the team that is behind module one of the new course, Navigating Beliefs, which went live about a week ago. And how many people have we had sign up? It's 500, 600 people so far, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Several hundred people signed up, and I want I want 10 times that amount. So we got to keep pushing this thing, mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to peel the covers back on module one. What's up? Yeah. What's up, my friends? So each one of those each one of those people who signed up has to invite one new person each. Oh, that sounds like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> I think at, at I just blasted my entire family. We bring one other person. I didn't even think I'd invite my family. Hmm, maybe I should. Oh, really? I was like, hey everybody, like Thanksgiving's coming up and like I've been working on this like course for a couple of years. Check it out. What if, you know, everyone asks how do you do SE with family and friends? And maybe this is your in. Just introduce right. them to the course, ask them what yeah. they think about, it, and then talk about the controversies. And then before you know it, you're going to be exploring a claim that they have using the techniques. There you go. We yep. solved the issue. Yeah. I've shared it with um, a lot of friends. Like a lot of friends I do SE with, they, uh, they ask a lot. Like, oh, I wish I could, you know, speak with clarity and, you know, explain my reasoning with clarity. And now they've got the opportunity to learn it. So it's, it's helpful. Send them a link. I've shared it with a couple of folks that are off social media, you know, friends of mine who got got off Facebook, you know, and of course I posted to Facebook you know, when, when it first launched, but then I thought, gosh, there's some people that you know, are not in touch that way. So I, I made a special special uh, effort to, to send them emails, let them know it was, it was launched. Yeah, I did put it on my personal Facebook page. So I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that I reach my family yeah, and friends too. that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, right? So maybe tomorrow. Is tomorrow Thanksgiving? Or is it yep. the next day? Okay. It's tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow then. Yeah. Although I went <laughs> over the I, I went over that curse too many times with family and friends. But somebody says something, I say, Oh yeah, would you hear that? And they say they stop and they go, You're not doing that thing, are you? <laughs> just with one question. That's crazy. yeah, just with one question. Like and I it's can, can be an innocent question. I'm not just oh yeah, would you yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That happened to my mom once. I was talking, I don't know, religion came up and I asked her a question. She's like, wait, hold on. are you doing that street epistemology? Like, no, I'm just I really want I was just asking yeah. you a question. I'll let yeah. you know if we're in SE mode, okay, Mom? Yeah. So tomorrow, so tomorrow when you ask, will you pass the green beans? That is not an SE question. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. How yes. confident are you? Yes. <laughs> yes. But we're, we're we're kind of focused today on on one specific module out of six that have been released. So phase one is done. It's out and available now. Here's where you can go to get it. Well, this is this is the, actually the thing. But if you go to navigatingbeliefs.com, you'll create an account really quickly and you have full access to the first six modules. And we're here today to talk about one of those six, which took us a lot of freaking time to put together. I mean, yeah. how, do you, how do you write about what SE is as you're still trying to figure out what it is yourself? That was, that was the challenge yes. that I think we faced, you know, when we were putting that thing together. Yeah. You know, I, I just read through it quickly a few minutes ago. I, I did it when it first launched a week ago and then I read through it again in prepping for, for this. And yeah, you know, I'm a teacher, you know, I 
read a lot of textbooks. And I really like this. You know, the module one just kind of gives a nice, you know, broad overview. And this, especially the second reading, it's worth the second read if you haven't second given it a second read. Um, really does. It, it, it's a nice package. Obviously, we want people to continue through the rest of the modules, but this first one really does give a great definition and a good, good idea of the scope of what what the the practice is. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of. Uh, took a lot of out, out of it too. I mean, if you it remember, did, it did take a lot of. I think we cut it's we cut it down to about a third. I think we had. Wasn't it originally like sixty pages? It was big, it was and long. then we we yeah. internally tested it and externally tested it, and the feedback we got mostly from SE familiar people was like, "What the hell is this? This you know, you, there's too much in here." Because we had stuff about like <laughs> we had like things about common long. criticisms about SE, and then we had our justifications for those criticisms, and then. We had we had like uh, remember we had the di the, the the dialogues at the start and the end. Uh, we ripped those things out, but yeah, I think what we what we scaled it back to yeah. now is more than adequate to explain to people what SE is yeah. at this point. We have what yeah. SE is not. We compared it and contrasted it with like the Socratic method and other yeah. conversational styles. Which some people that was said my they want to see that back, right? Yeah, like that was my. Then, yeah. Well, I'm the one that's been saying that. Yeah, I want that part yeah. back in a little bit. Yeah, we had, or maybe we can throw like, it in at the end or something. Well, now that well, it's think, kind of set up the way that it is, I think it looks a lot better. So we might, we could probably find add a little more because that was the concern at first was people didn't want to read, like. But now that it's in distinct modules, I think it, it's a different story. It's much. Can more we recall than, what? some of the other dialectics we were like comparing it to were mm -hmm. was it like uh deep canvassing was one of them yeah and then the socratic method right was yeah. another and then what were the other ones that we motivation CB, CBT was yeah cbt yes but then there was CBT. another one too cbt uh, nonviolent communication yeah oh and yeah. nbc yeah nbc mm -hmm. NVC, yeah, but it's not N like NVC. Yeah, we could, like CBT We still have that. that text, and we didn't put it on the FAQ. <laughs> did we put it on the FAQ page? I'm not sure what we did with it, but I think we're we're we identified like additional things that might be good for the course, like philosophy overlap, psychology overlap, and I think we were earmarking that for the psychology overlap piece. Yeah, what? Yeah, maybe? what? Uh, one of the perceptions that people have or misunderstandings is that. When they see an essay conversation, is they think uh, is there is the person doing some kind sort of psychologizing here? Are they are they is some kind of therapy going on here? Is some kind of psychological techniques being applied, and that's why uh, the comparison to cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing uh, uh, were raised because those are um, uh, conversational techniques and di dialectics where there is a patient provider uh, counseling uh, uh, intent. And context, and so the person being interviewed expects to be therapeutically treated in some way. And of course, in SE conversations, it's not therapy. Um, and uh, so, although some people think, you're, "Are you doing some kind of therapy thing?" and so it was very, very useful um, in that in that original text to clarify that SE is not therapy, um, although it does take into account uh, psychosocial motivations of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so should we explore some of the module and just kind of peruse yeah. through and give our comments? Because we'll start with this this piece, the big piece right here, the definition, which is a way to help people critically reflect on the quality of their reasoning through civil conversation. Are we all happy with this at this point? I'm pretty happy. What do you think? Mm -hmm. 
I'm pretty happy with it. And right there below that, there is a link to the glossary that shows the the historical definitions of SE. So they're right there for all you long-term SEers who are here since the beginning. If you know, we we wanted to like we didn't want to like paint over that stuff. You know, that's available if you ever want to look at it. But yeah, I think the current definition is pretty spot on. I don't know if there's anything missing from it. We got the, yeah, the way good. properly defined now. That was really important. I, I like the way it ended up like that, where we we specify further down what way means. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, we took like keywords from the definition on that on this page. Yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of this is also summarized in the one pager that people um, get when they uh, when they finish the knowledge check for this module. <sighs> Yeah, but I, I, like the, I like the conciseness of the of the, the current definition. So I, I tend to over-explain it. If, I, if someone were to press me and try to define it, I'd go into a, a paragraph long. I like the, the simple one sentence. Mm -hmm. Yes. A, a lot of people um, confused the definition of SE in terms of uh, it being a, a technique or a series of techniques. That is, it is a means to an end. Um, that is to say, the SE is defined uh, in this way as a goal or set of goals and um, things you do that achieve that goal by by the lights of this definition are SE. And uh, so um, there's some variation of opinion on that. Is, is, it, is SE something you do or is, is SE something you try to achieve? And it's in this in the way this is defined, it's, common, it's not a combination of both. Um, but uh, for those who have this difficulty in terms of is is it something you do? Um, uh, the, the, the I think the definition is very helpful to show that it is a series of techniques that you that you that you perform. It's a skill that you can learn. Mm. Yeah, and we do cover the goals of SE in the next module, module two, which we'll probably end up doing. I think the plan is to do a review video, kind of like what we're doing now for module one for all the modules. And then maybe even make this video available from the course. Wouldn't that be kind of interesting? Make it circular. So people can find the course from the video and vice versa. They can find this video from the course. Yeah. Yep, and of course, besides the SE definition, there's also the movement meaning or usage of the word. Uh, mm -hmm. We add that in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have the question, where'd this come from? Like, you know, is this invented? How was where this? How was this invented? Why is it useful? That type of thing. So the movement does give that con historical context, and it also gave us the opportunity to to address the atheism origins of SE. You know, that was another thing we didn't want to just exclude from the course. You know, it's like, well, that that is how SE originated. Why should we? Why would we ever want to just exclude that? So, but we don't. We don't. We don't go into great detail on that, but we hit it. You know, there's there's enough in there for people to know where this thing originated from. Uh, but then, of course, we always you know <laughs> talk about how it how it quickly adopted and, and evolved from that as well. And for all the people in the room here, though, um, SE was not that with the definition that we have today. Um, people here have gone through SE as defined in different ways in the past, and so uh, would. The current definition of SE, as you see it today, change how you do SE or what uh, what uh, what you consider an SE composition to be if you saw one. 
I think, yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I yeah? Know. In what way? Yeah. I, well, I think just in having the conversation about what it was, my views started to change about, like, what I'm, I think, even, like, messaging. Like, what I'm messaging when I'm asking questions. Like, understanding that that's really not in the definition at all. You know, you're not supposed to start from a place of, like, um, you know, that it's clear, you know, what you're, what you believe about the topic, you know, things like that. I think, yeah, and, and working out the definitions, I, I noticed myself in real time, like making adjustments, adjustments in my head. Oh, interesting. You, you modified your SE after the definition changed? Yeah, and even developing the whole course. Huh. Yeah, I think throughout... That's so interesting because I don't think I would, I don't think I'd change much of anything, but uh, wow. I might not have understood what it was. Maybe that was the issue. <laughs> so I didn't really know what it was until. Yeah. We... I was trying to make it a point when I was doing SE on the streets to explain what it was that I was doing. And I, I remember thinking like, um, since there's no one definition at the moment, I'm going to just sort of explain, I'm going to try to explain it a little bit differently every time I meet somebody. So I bet you'll never find the exact same explanation of, of what SE is, uh, at least, you know, <clears throat> for my videos. Yeah, we were just watching this. We were just yeah, watching that, you yeah. explain it. Yeah, we've got a clip from you, Anthony, in this compilation video. Do you want to watch this and just comment on how different ways we have explained what it is in the past and see if these stack up to the current definition yes oh man that's interesting yeah that would be cool I, now, yeah. I'm, now i'm thinking that there might actually be videos where i've explained it and i would disagree with, with okay how I described it. yeah oh, with I your past self yes now that i think about it but i think i'd have to right. go back five or six years maybe to find a point that i disagree with it yeah, so I'll, I'll pause after each person and we'll, we'll comment. All right, awesome. I'll explain a little bit about what, what I'm doing. So I'm having conversations with people using a method called street epistemology. Street epistemology. Street epistemology. Where we explore something that they believe is true in a way that's not confrontational, it's not an argument, it's not a debate, it's not people yelling at each other. The idea is to be respectful and for us both to feel positive about it at the end of it. Helping people think and reflect on how they know the things they know, why they believe the things they believe. Uh, but basically we just explore something that you believe and it can be really any topic. Any sort of belief that you have where you think, hey, this I believe pretty strongly this is true. Uh, my job in these interviews is to try to be as neutral as I can, but I will challenge you. I will challenge you on some things. Um, basically. That was great, really good. But I didn't hear the phrase critical reflection or even the word reflection at all. I, I, I don't think. Did you hear that? Right. No, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the question raised uh, as this, this describes. So when you do that, why are you doing that in order, in order to accomplish what? And, and that's, what's not articulated. Yeah, Which is usually what most people want to know. Like, what are you up to when you're doing this with me? Yes, what are you up to? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What are you hoping to achieve? And and now we have a primary goal of SE, which we've identified in the course, which is that goal of, of critical reflection. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't mentioned there. A lot of the, a lot of the time, um, I think I do 
use SE differently depending on who I'm talking to. But um, maybe it's now not SE because, um, for example, if it's with close family, um, I'll spend a lot of time because there's a long-term committed relationship there. So I've got a lot of energy to invest in it. If it's a stranger, I'm just trying to really reflect on my own reasoning. So I want to just open my perspective and it's usually quick. I want their best reasons. I'm not going to spend hours on the conversation with them. So it's more about just me critically reflecting on, you know, can I falsify my own confidence in something? So there is a different approach. Maybe that's not SE now. I don't know. Um, what do you think? Hmm. Like using the person you're talking to, like those potential new ideas to help you like think yeah. critically I noticed, about them. I noticed this, for example, a stranger online, um, they have a position on something that I care about, but I disagree with. I'm going to be very quick and be civil and uh, with permission and consent, uh, try to find out what their best reasons are in a narrow focus. So most of it is SE, except I don't have a goal on them critically, refle critically reflecting because it's sort of beyond my control and I don't have hope for that to happen. It's, I don't even know them. It's more about me falsifying my own position. So I want to find out, is there information out there that could show me that my confidence is mm. not where it should be? Um, so I do that a lot. So I do do it differently depending on who I'm talking to. And that goes to like, you know, the, the quality reasons or the quality criteria in which we assess our own epistemology. I would have that conversation um, with family members and with strangers, I would have it as, as well if it comes up. If I think we're, we've got different quality criteria on how we assess it, I want to know what their quality criteria are so I can just falsify my own quality criteria as well. So I do do it with quality criteria, but it's more like I'd avoid psycho psychosocial motivations, I might ask one or two questions, but it, it's not going to spend a lot of time there. It's just, I'm too tired. Like, maybe I'm getting old, but I don't have the energy for that sort of conversation. So it's really more about what can I benefit from it, you know, with the strangers. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, like, even if your goal is for your own self-reflection, you asking the questions to understand so that that happens to you hmm. is likely going to happen to them in Could the do, act yeah. of them providing their yeah. reasons, I would think. Could do, um, yeah. That would be my guess, is that you probably would inadvertently end up help, helping them self-reflect on their own reasoning too, even though that yeah. wasn't. And if not, then maybe an hour later. You never know, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 This next clip comes up with a, one potential interesting phrase. He says, we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, we're out here having conversations with members of our community about things that they think are true about reality or maybe things that they think should be true and then asking questions to explore the reasoning that lends them their confidence in the belief does that sound like something oh absolutely too cool yeah um my name's matt i'm not sure if i said that i'm jason, jason. nice to meet nice you to official you. this is my my little brother mccormick nice to meet you Nice to meet you as well. I like what you're out here doing. This is awesome. Oh, just thank you. <laughs> getting together with the community and just hearing what people have to say. That's great. Yeah. 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 My, my goal, um, just to lay my cards on the table is to help people to, if, if I can, to help people critically reflect on the quality of their reasoning, um, according to their standards. Sure. So my job as the interviewer is to ask you questions from a neutral perspective to explore your reasoning. Excellent. What do you think? So there we go. Mm -hmm. 
standards. Yes, interesting. He, he, yeah, he nailed critical reflection, but that right after it, to your own standards, which is something I hear you say quite often, Anthony, but I'm very skeptical of, of having that be a criteria or a, a thing. We can, well, it, it we suggests can. that their standards are good, and that doesn't necessarily mean that. So, the, so when I say like, to the standards that you're currently using, I guess is maybe a different way of phrasing it. Like we all have standards for for our criteria for thinking something is true, whether we give much thought to it or not. Um, right. Well, the standards are up for revision as well. Like, oh yeah, your, meth your methods, your methods are the are the methods the same as your standards? To be a standard, it needs to be fixed. Your your claim is a comparator against the standard. So if the standard right, is maybe the standard and the claim is yeah, something has to be constant to compare. Your standard is like this is an acceptable method, so it's now my standard. Like that's how yeah. I'm interpreting that. Maybe yes. I, th I think of yeah. the standards as the presuppositions. Like if you go as deep as you possibly can what do we just take for granted? You know, logic will continue to work for us tomorrow as it has in the past. So if we discover a contradiction, then we shouldn't, you know, rely on that. It's not reliable. These are certain things that we rely on. And um, so I just see standards at, at the deepest level. There's a lot of things we, we accept as truths. If I happen to choose my standard as a warm, fuzzy feeling and saying that it meets my standard, my claim meets my standard of a warm, fuzzy feeling that comes over me, is 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 that an appropriate standard? Yeah. So you can ask questions then to explore the reliability of that. And um, you know, right. if you if you accept logical contradictions as a really good standard, like I think that's the gold standard in philosophy, right? I think my, I don't know of any philosopher that says that logical contradictions is a bad standard. But if you accept that, then you can use that with outsider tests to expose the quality of this standard that you're talking about. Yeah, well, one of your standards is, is basic is the like, basic laws of logic. This is this is yeah. core to rational conversations at all. Hmm. So, someone mm -hmm. could say, "Well, it's just my truth, therefore that's my standard. If I just believe it, therefore it it passes." Right, right, but, right. I think, but I think Anthony is saying, "Well, if we just question that a little bit, they're like, like it's like their subconscious is." pushing back against that potential yeah. rationalization if you make that if you just ask probing questions and get that with an outsider test type question it's something in, within them it has a higher quality standard than what they're actually saying potentially yeah and that's well, the part that you're not sure about right but and that's the value of having the conversation is that sometimes people have never really spoken these standards and to hear themselves say it and hear how it hits somebody else, or here's, hits the, the interlocutor, it can make a difference too. So, Reed, would you say that this definition implies that there's a standard but doesn't articulate it? The definition we have? Yeah. They encourage critical reflection on the quality yeah. of their reasoning? The quality? Yes. Implies there's a quality implies standard. A standard. Yes, it which does. Is what but... we're working on right now in the course with module. <laughs> there you go. What, module and? 10, the... Uh, 10? Module 10. That, that's a pistol right? There's the plug right there. Yeah, we've already <laughs> started outlining that, but that's going to be, I assume, tons of more hours of discussion to get. Yeah, there. I was thinking, I was thinking phase one is kind of like setting the table, and phase two of the course is where we actually sit down to eat the dinner. 
like that that's going to be like the meat of it there's going to be some really deep discussions putting that thing together and i think that that's going to that's going to provide a, a tremendous amount of value once once that second phase comes out that has the module on the epistemology um, identifying the reasons identifying the confidence level and getting to the claim that's the heart of se and and uh yeah that's I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting that thing written yeah that said module one does contain um the steps of the se including a, a section about exploring epistemology so this yeah. is covered in uh, to some degree in module one yeah you can well yeah you can take phase one of this course and get up to speed on what se is understand the goals learn how to do it and get comfortable enough to the point where you should hopefully you would feel comfortable doing it in public or with a friend or family um hey yeah can you have a word falsifiability yeah false yeah falsifiability I love this tip sheet, by the way. Oh. Ever since, ever since going through it, I use that this looks tip like that's sheet. Fixed now. You, you like the tip sheet? Oh, you got the tip every, sheet. Yeah. Ever since going through it, every time I have an SE conversation post going through this module, I look at the tip sheet. I look at these tip sheets and go, "Okay, what could I've done better?" It's a great resource. I find it really helpful. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah, we we threw those in there. So yeah, when you complete the quiz for the any, any module you'll be emailed that one page tip sheet that you can print out and use as a resource, uh, as a reminder for the course. It's not meant to be a replacement for the modules by any means, but a reminder of them. Yeah. And I, I would, I would underscore that. Yes. Taking that knowledge check is, is a prerequisite to getting those tip sheets. So a lot of people apparently are, are taking the course without touching the knowledge checks and therefore don't realize, or don't know that there's these tip sheets that they can have. Uh, and they they're missing the, uh, a valuable thing. Yeah, and if you do all six modules, and I think you have to score seventy percent or higher on the quizzes, we'll email yes. you a certificate of completion. And I've, I'm BCC. There, there it is. I'm that's from, those. Yeah, from module one. Yes, that's good. That's the, that's <laughs> no, the one page. No tip. time. No time for a screenshot. You got to do the quiz. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't show it. Don't show it. No, no, no. It's. It's very handy. And then that little uh, QR code takes people to the course, so you could print those out and. and guide people to the actual course as well yeah and we're we're uh this is probably a good time to mention we're, we're in the process of, of putting together teams to translate the course and that's not just the course but it includes the quizzes the one-page tip sheets and the certificate of completion there's a lot of components to the course that will also need to be translated so if you're interested in helping us translate email email contact at street epistemology international.org Cool. Want to watch your uh, your clicker, Anthony? Sure. All right. I'm not with the trail at all. Oh, you're not. Yeah, I've got a hobby where I interview people for four minutes about a belief that they have that they think is true. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm attempting something. And what are you doing it for? I'm practicing this thing called street epistemology. I have a YouTube channel where I upload my my more interesting talks uh, and a podcast too. But I ask people to pick a topic that they're absolutely sure is true. So you think karma is real. You're absolutely sure that you've seen a ghost. I met a woman on the trail last week where she has like a four-leaf clover pendant and she thinks it protects her from harm. So regardless of the belief, whether ideally it's, it's something that you really feel strongly about, like I'm sure voter identification should be required or it could be I, anything. I'm absolutely sure that there's a higher power or something like okay. that. 
and I ask questions to explore with you. I don't direct you to a conclusion. I try not to. I try to be very neutral about it and ask like, questions to explore what you believe, why you think it's true, and how you concluded that it's actually true. Interesting. Yeah. It's really neat. That's cool. So. All right. I did notice I there it. that I said, like, something that you really, really think is true, almost like we could only explore your claim if, if you're 100% sure. And, of course, that's not the case. So. Uh, looking back on it now, I don't think I would put such, such an emphasis on certainty that it really could be any claim regardless of where you are on that on that scale. Yeah, you'll notice though in that in, in that dis dis description, it's uh, I'll ask you all these questions not for me to learn anything. I, you, you, it's, mm. Have you did you notice that was sort of missing? That I was like, oh yes, I'll I'll ask you about them, but I. I I, I'm not there to learn for, Dude, from you, Robert. I'm there for them. I'm not there for me. <laughs> I'm there for them. Oh, good for you, Anthony. <laughs> but honestly, like, you know, well, sure, maybe I'll learn something along, but I don't know what their claim is. Maybe I agree with their claim. Like, I think it would be, I don't know. Yes, of course, I, I could say, yeah, you know, I'm also here to learn something about your views, but that's really, that's not my particular interest. I want to see what they believe and what their justifications are and help them see also like what are their reasoning how are they getting to that that point of view so oh, i know you're probably not going to remember but do you did you have like this hope that they would pick like higher power the higher power claim because it, it seems it's like one of my kinda... favorite claims that people pick because there's so many other beliefs that are dependent on that one so it's like it's the kingpin of beliefs. so i loved when they picked that one and it's such an easy one to se as well and it makes you know and also, like, I, I have particular views myself, like, you know, I, you know, I, I think it's harmful. So I wouldn't mind if they pick it, but um, they could have picked anyone. The, the thing that I noticed is that the examples that I, I was giving, with the exception of the voter registration or ID or whatever, it was almost all supernatural or spiritual things. And, and I'm glad that I mentioned the less supernatural one, like the election stuff in that clip, because, you know... I was really trying to get away and do more examples other than the spiritual and supernatural stuff, but it wouldn't have ruined my day if, if they had picked the God one. And in fact, I think she ended up, that's the one that we ended up exploring in that video. Well, especially for the country you guys are in 2024 is a good, is a great discussion for things that are uh, politically oriented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, one last clip. Real quick for me. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm curious about this podcast. Yeah, what I'll try to explain what I'm doing. I'm trying to practice this way of having conversations called street epistemology. Right there, it's a Socratic method style of conversation where someone comes up and makes a claim, and I talk with them, ask, ask them mainly Socratic style questions, where we get clarity on what they're talking about what they believe, why they believe it, get clarity on that, and potentially then challenge those reasons with questions. Oh, gee, super, like, philosophical. Yeah. So oh. if you're interested in that. Not yeah, probably not. Not it, Critical reflection wasn't there. I like the challenging nature of it, but it's we like the softer, encouraging, critical reflection. Right, yeah, because challenging can, can, can stir up some defensiveness when you just use that verb. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but to be fair though, that might be like that might be honest. Like you you know like that. 
I could totally see someone going. I, that's probably happened, right? Where people go into an SE conversation, and they're like, "That's not what I thought we were doing here." Once you get to a certain point, I would recommend never yeah. say, "I'm just asking questions," because you're doing a hell of a lot more than that. Because the SE is a, like a, it's now become a finely honed, powerful tool that can really generate serious reflection on people's confidence in their deeply held beliefs. And you're doing far more than just asking questions. So I'd recommend we just never, never say that again. Like, yeah, I would say that we ask challenging questions. They, they could, they could really challenge the apple cart and knock over yeah. the apple. And I also really emphasize the Socratic nature of it. I don't know if that's required at all. Yeah, anymore. I think that was good. But here's what I'm wondering. Oh, go ahead, Robert. Oh. I, I I just want to mention you 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 you, uh, you said they are Socratic style questions, uh, that is to say it's Socratic ish, and uh, yes. there is there's an important nuance here uh, that it, uh, I've had uh, conversations where I, I straight up call it Socratic questioning. What well, it isn't exactly that, and so um, yes, uh, to show that it's there's some it's there's some differences here. Uh, it is mentioned in in module one that that there are some elements of spin uh, on the on the traditional Socratic questioning. Hmm. And then she also said, like uh, she mentioned the word philosophical. So I wonder by saying Socratic, if that gets people thinking that it's this nebulous uh, nebulous philosophical discussion and not about them and how they're reasoning, and that could be misleading too by throwing in the word Socratic and also. When you say Socratic, people can mean a variety of different things, as we know from talking to people when we were researching this course and so forth. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do like I, I do like sort of warning people that it could be challenging. That these are challenging questions. And of course, people uh, with a law education recognize Socratic questioning as a form of grilling uh, and yeah. interrogation. Or a teacher would say, "Well, oh, you're using this to actually convey information to me, and you're you're teaching me things. You have yeah. a message to convey." And that's not at all what we mean when we're doing SE. So Socratic is, it's one of those baggage words that have to be unpacked. <clears throat> but what I was wondering here is, what are we saying? Like, do we want content creators from, from this point forward, now that the course is out, to, to promote and use the one definition that's in the course? Or is there still value in being somewhat off the cuff when you explain what you're doing? And then, oh, by the way, there's this more formal definition if you want to look into it further. Like what, what is a best practice for someone who's a content creator and, and filming examples where they're explaining what SE is? That's what I was wondering. I'm personally fine with off the cuff. Yeah. If somebody's just like, I want to explore how you know that. I want to explore how, how you came to believe this is true. Whatever this thing is. And then yeah. just say, and then you can follow up, just say like, it, you don't even need to say it necessarily every time explain what it is that you're doing because most of the time i do se i'm like you know uh in the line for whatever it is the bank the bar the hair salon like i hear overhear somebody say something um and i just say how did you determine that and i use yeah, that yeah. feeling to just slow like help help me figure out how you got there um and i'm just going to ask you questions about your reasons um so i don't necessarily need to explain every time now if i'm sitting outside in a park and i've got cameras and i've got a sign and i'm like obviously doing a thing 
<laughs> that's really weird by the way if you've ever done it it's the weirdest feeling ever um uh then you might really want to start thinking about being clear with what it is that you're there to do that you're that you're there to uh facilitate a safe environment for somebody to explore their reasoning um and you want to encourage people to reflect on the quality of their reasons mm. and in that case people like will get really intrigued especially if you're very clear with yourself about what you intend on doing and why you you are out there doing it uh even going into why you're doing it is a great topic of conversation and some of the best ways to build rapport with somebody especially in today's day and age because it's like the least disagreeable thing ever to just be like yeah there's there's a bit of conflict in societies unnecessarily like why is there conflict so much so you'd be more descriptive if you were out doing it but is it more for are you, so i could see that but more for the viewing audience because like you're going to upload it to youtube potentially hundreds thousands of people will watch it and you're propagating you would be propagating a clearer definition to all those viewers. So also I'd be wanting to model for uh, hopefully inspiring others to be doing the same, to be getting out there and doing it. If I'm doing it mm -hmm. for that reason. Yeah. Hopefully it inspires somebody to, to try it themselves. I would push back a little bit on that, Nathan, because I think what you're, Please. what you're suggesting, well, I think you're suggesting is uh, what you would achieve by asking in that way is you would get consent for sure, but you, would you be getting yeah. informed consent? Uh, what part did I leave out? Critical what, what reflection. Information? Partly, oh, okay. yeah, 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 partly what you're, you know, what you're part? doing, partly yeah, what, you're doing, what, what they're getting into. Yeah, you're standing in line in the bank example, I think, is the one that Robert's talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's off the cuff. Okay, so you would you would tell people what you're... No. I, I, if, if I was standing in line at the bank and somebody made some claim about how... Well, I should right. have stood in the other line because, you know, I always pick the, the slowest line, right? I should have gone to the other line. Like, <laughs> right. I'd probably just launch into SE mode and, and, you know, keep it lighthearted. But if they asked me later what it was that I was doing, I probably would try to remember... The definition from the course and try to give that to them because it's you know it's clear yeah but i wouldn't necessarily like do it in the moment you know per se right that would be I mean, very awkward yeah i i think nathan's awkward. Awkward. you know ha having the one sentence you know nice clear thing would be very useful for a content creator who you know someone's just approaching your table hey what are you doing having that one sentence is, is really effective you, you wouldn't necessarily need to do that like you said in the in the bank example yeah, you're usually only asking two or three questions in a situation like that, and all of a sudden they're at the counter. Mm -hmm. You don't have much time. Yeah. They're, they're jumping lines to get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we explore more of the module? I think yeah. we all know about the steps, or should we skip to the uh, qualities? So we broke up module one into two main sections. Is that right? I'm trying to remember now. Um, Three. Three, the definition, key steps, and qualities. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Remember, we didn't have the steps of SE in module one. We were planning to stick that in module three. 
I mean, mainly because we had so much stuff in module one that we ended up taking out like we talked about earlier. So then we ended up moving the steps of SE for module three, which became the ethics module. And then the steps uh, flowed into module one. And I'm really glad that we ended up including the steps of SE here because if we didn't, <clears throat> I think people who took the course might be mystified. Well, how do I do this? And the how, the steps or the how of SE are, are right there in module one. Yeah, to, 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 to do the meal, you know, this gives you a sniff of all the different things that are being prepared you know, yeah. right up front. You know, right. You're in the kitchen there and you're getting at least the smell of what you can expect. Yes, yes. I think it represents good scaffolding. You know, like that's that's the idea when you're teaching is that you want to scaffold. So you want to give them a vision of what the end looks like. And so having these here first lets them know mm. what they're going to go through. Right, but not set them up for failure because I noticed the knowledge checks for module one do address the steps of SE, but the initial steps, the, the pre-conversation considerations and the rapport, which is in phase one, that's covered in the first six modules. So we don't ask you a question, a detailed question about the real reason check or something like that in, in the knowledge checks for this first phase because we haven't covered it yet. So it's, it's really... It's, it's portioning it out in a really good way, I think, where we're not overwhelming people. And, uh, and it gets more complicated, I think, as it goes. So I've, I've gone through the material many times on my iPad, my phone, my desktop. And I'm, I was like, you know, damn, we, this was really written really well. And it, it, it gets people in on the ground floor, and it seems really basic, but it gets increasingly more, I don't want to say difficult, but like more involved you're, you're going to really need to be paying attention more and more as the course progresses to grasp it uh, one of course one of the dif difficulties during the development of this uh was a uh, level of granularity how how detailed you need to be because uh you know he's like peeling back the layers of an onion you can, you can always talk about more about this stuff and so uh to your point uh, uh quite about scaffolding that we, we were con concerned that see people would mistake uh the frame of the house for the house and they think well i've i know i know what se is now i've taken module one i don't really need the rest it's just a, you know window dressing and i can just go out and do se based on what reading module one and i oh no <laughs> just you know just enough to be dangerous right you know <laughs> you're like it's not not good so yeah just wonder if there's anything more we need to say about the steps like oh yeah talk about step zero step seven yeah step zero is is the things you need to consider or you should consider before you even have an se talk what am i hoping to achieve what would i consider to be a success um am i in the right mind mind frame to even have this kind of conversation those types of things mm -hmm. it's it's the ten it's the type of things we tend to overlook we usually usually we think oh i just need to learn how to like do it but there's and it could be argued that this, that's some of the like the mindset that you have before you even do an se talk it could be argued that that might be one of the most important things because if you're mm. if you're out there to like punch down and, and get those people that you disagree with or something then your se talk is not going to go well even if you know the steps that follow after the at that step zero yeah right. i i find um Things that you have a strong, you might not even be aware of it, but moral intuition towards, you lean towards something because of some moral intuition. Uh, this first step is 
is a big one. Like I, I even find it, I find it really difficult to work out to what degree am I affected by motivated reasoning or psychosocial motivations and, you know, where am I sitting? And it's just so hard to know. So just at least putting your mind to it is good to try and get your mindset in the right place. Yeah. And then the final uh, step was, was step seven, like after the conversation is done is taking a moment to really just like deconstruct it yourself. Like what went well, what didn't go well? Was there a time where I cut them off? You know, could I have, could I have done better? Then, I mean, that's such a big part of it too, is like, that's how I think you get better at SE is, is when you take a moment to like, to think back about how that talk really went. And then it helps to have a recording of it yeah. too. You know, like when you're editing yep. it and you're watching it, Mm. Oh, I mean, what a way to learn SE. You know, you're there two in the morning at dropping captions into a video and you're like, oh, I cut them off there. They were just about to say their main you know, method for thinking this is true and I stepped on it. Yeah, it's, it's so Dude, my memory is terrible. I could watch a video five times and still learn something. Yeah. Can, oh, I, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, once again, to, uh, to play the devil's advocate, the, co the course uh, does definitely say that uh, you should prepare for the conversation, Be have a set of you know, preparations prior to the conversation happening. And there are some who would say that um, that really creates an unfair level, uh, non-level playing field because the, the street epistemology uh, practitioner is prepared for the conversation, whereas their conversation partner starts from a blank page. They're not necessarily prepared to have the kind of conversation that is about to occur. And so um, mm -hmm. there could be a kind of, places them at a disadvantage. What do you say about that? The idea that uh, this, this set of preparations creates uh, 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 an imbalance of uh, uh, a non-level playing field between the SEer and their conversation partner. Good question. Yeah, never thought about it. Never thought about that before. Oh, I thought about it a lot because that's that's a common criticism that I've heard over the years is that, you know, mm -hmm. you're preying on unsuspecting people who aren't prepared to have a talk about that topic. Um, and I mean, but it's not like I'm boning up on the, the facts of the matter. No, no, they I, I are think the it's expert. They're the experts yeah. of the beliefs that they hold to that X degree of confidence. That's how I see it. Right. So it's I'm preparing myself mentally to have a conversation about a topic that I may disagree with, or I, I'm offended by personally, but if I'm ground, like if I'm grounded and I'm prepared for that, that's good. And it models it for them so that, that if they ask me where I stand on their claim and I give my perspective and it differs, hopefully I've conducted myself in a way that they admire and they want to match. So then maybe I actually get that, get that in return. So yeah, I, I think, the, the preparation that I do personally before having these talks is advantageous to them. It's not, it's not getting one over on them. I don't think it's actually helpful for both of us. Right. It, it, for me, it, it's largely, it, is this going to be an essay conversation or am I going to debate? You know, you know, this is really assessing my own motivations for the conversation and you know, whether I, whether I can even proceed and call it an essay conversation or not. One of the things that I think about when I, have conversations with people and that so like we often use this scale of confidence and we'll ask them please place your confidence on a scale it could be whatever kind of scale you want in my own mind i have like a, a hidden scale of how well 
I think that other person is articulating what they think they have in their head. So like how, like there's so many things that can go into it. Are they nervous? You know, are, are they seven years old? <laughs> are they like, what is, what are the factors that are going in that, uh, you know, are they intoxicated? That's another mm -hmm. one. Right. And all these different things come into play that allow yeah. me to adjust my chair charitability level with who i'm speaking with um and i don't necessarily ever disclose that uh that i've assessed this number in my head but i like kind of keep it there mm. um maybe this person's uh really like on a soapbox and they're just and and there are and they are stringing together words that are almost near poetic right well that person's probably really articulate um, in which case I can be more poignant with my questions. Um, and so that's something that I bear in mind. <laughs> See the, the cow eyed look on everyone's face after that. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I, I, I haven't, I've never thought to do that either. So that, that's really interesting. Next up is the last section is the main qualities of street epistemology. Do you think, I think we ordered these in the, in the order of importance, I think, or I forget if we did or not, but first is focus on the quality of the reasoning, then accounts for psychological and social motivations, then uses a spectrum of confidence between true and false, more collaborative, less confrontational, more asking, less telling, and science-minded. I think those are all good. Yeah. Is there anything missing from there? And again, this was like what, yeah, this was what, can you go back up to the top? This is what differentiates SE. Right? Yeah, this is like ma the main qualities of street epistemology. Um, it seems like it's covered it. Those are, those are the big ones. So if I'm a member of the SE community and I, and I see um, somebody doing SE or purports to to do SE or claims that they're doing SE, uh, could I use these eight things here and say uh, as a checklist and say, okay, checks on the box here, doesn't check the box there, et cetera, and could use that as a criteria for determining this is or is not an SE conversation? Good question. Because you can you can have an SE talk, I'm, I'm using quotes, you can use have an SE talk where you're just identifying what the claim is and the definitions of the words and you, you even haven't gotten to confidence level reasons or the epistemology. Are you? Can you say that you're doing an SE talk, or are you on? Uh, you're on the path of an SE talk, essentially. You're Is heading it SE there. For me? Not... SE for me. Right. So my question back would just be, how? Why does it matter that much? Oh, <laughs> it's been a great controversy. Uh, I, I think, though, um, although some people have no problem when we're asking in the testing uh, their knowledge of SE in the session, I've had experience asking SE type questions. Uh, people yeah. are familiar with the idea that in a conversation that is otherwise happening, they can throw in a quote unquote SE question in there. And, and it's not having an SE conversation, but is asking some occasion, you know, they peppered this in. And is that an SE conversation? Hmm. I like what we had. Oh, we've gone through so many things, but I like what we had where there were just simply two things, 
correct me if I'm wrong, it's an SE conversation. It gets to the point where it's an SE conversation if there's rapport and exploring epistemology. I like that. Uh, I think those are my two big things. If if if, have, if rapport is strong, and they want to meet with you again to talk about it, and you've you've explored how they're evaluating the quality of their main reason that contributes to their confidence that their claim is factually true, then I'd say <laughs> that was SE. And it's frustrating to me to watch something that's purported to be SE. And it's just, you know, let's talk about what you think is true and how long have you had it? And just a pleasant chat. I don't like pleasant chats. I, you have a great tool, <laughs> use the tool. So I, I'm, I'm more, I would disagree with, with Nathan, maybe a little bit on that. Like I, I want to see substance in my SE talks. I want to see reflection on the epistemology of how they determine they have good reasoning behind their conclusions. That's really that. That's that. I like that, and it's frustrating when I don't get to see that. I've just First, realized I've I've got to go, but it was great seeing, catching up with everyone. Good to see you all, and thank you so welcome. much for thank you so much for sticking with it. I appreciate all the effort. Uh, I'm yeah, just Michael. so happy it's out. You got something yeah. out, and you know it's great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for all your help with it, Michael. You've been yeah. a part of that whole that whole course, so thank you. Yeah, pleasure. All right, take care, everyone. Bye bye. All right, see you, Michael. Michael. Good to see you. Yeah. And to be clear, when I was saying like, I would ask like, why does it matter so much? I, I would want to ask the person who's judging whether or not something was SE because they probably will have a complaint to be made. And I would want to hear what that complaint is. So well, your question, your question would be, why do you want to know? Or why, what does it matter to you? Well, it'd be more like, yeah, what's the concern here? Oh, there's an yeah, there's an underlying concern. Okay. Yeah. Here's about here's a potential talk. concern. Like, so let's say you have a nice friendly chat about you know, some claim. And it was all about the the whole discussion was about the claim and the, the value that the person gets from the claim. And they walk away not being challenged in what's what any way whatsoever about whether that claim is factually true or at least mm. Their, their feeling of confidence that their claim is factually true. Like that, that's probably a better way of putting it. Um, like I feel like it's a missed opportunity. And then to label that conversation as SE it is no different than it's just a nice, pleasant conversation. So why are right. we labeling it something bigger yeah. than that? And it's yeah. almost like, it's just it's almost misleading. Uh, yeah, it's unproductive. Yeah, yeah. The, the, other, the other flip side of that coin is what happens if a person crashes and burns the conversation falls apart, rapport is broken, you know, the person walks away. And and uh, and then I turn around and say, I had an SE conversation. And at some point, doesn't the person say, um, this doesn't work. Uh, I had these yeah. SE conversations, I crashed and burned, and mm -hmm. I, I come to the conclusion that SE doesn't work. Is yeah. Could I be misleading? It, could, it could be mistaken? Could I, could I be... You know, fooling myself. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it's possible that we didn't figure out their real reason. I mean, a lot of the times we ask people what their reason is, they give us something that they want us to think is their reason, but isn't actually their real reason. And that can be, yeah. Uh, problematic for the practitioner and that's why we do things like real reason checks where we say things like if this reason were 
taken away or you were to find to your satisfaction that this reason for whatever reason isn't a good reason to be believing in this thing or anything really if it's a bad reason if you ultimately found out it was a bad reason how much does your number drop and it's important that we know how by how much because if it doesn't drop by any amount or if it drops by less than what they think then there's some other reason that's their main reason and it might not even be clear to the to the il to the person you're interviewing um because a lot of like we said a lot of reasons are actually psychosocial and it's really hard to admit you know i believe this because a lot of my friends believe it or my family taught it to me or something of that sort um and so part of digging that up is part of the i think the job of a really skilled practitioner you do just make me think of a good question though which is if you had an se conversation where it was clear that your uh conversation partner became really uncomfortable or even emotional about a question you asked uh but then later they say you know i was upset at the time but you, you actually made me think would that still be an se conversation uh yeah, what, would, what which part <laughs> i mean well, yeah if they go ahead no no i, I think you understand if they that. thought about it afterwards like if you ask something and maybe you hit a nerve i mean we we try to not hit nerves the whole time sometimes my talks with people doing se is like i'm walking on eggshells and i really don't want to but i'm going i'm meeting them where they're at um and yeah that can be really tough if you hit a nerve you might have asked something that is a real reason that maybe they didn't know or maybe they did they thought they had a reason and you call them out that it's not really the real reason and that also hits a nerve um is the, the, and is then the if they think about it is the intent for civility you know good enough you know you, if things do you know sideways is it the reaction you know is, is different than the intent on the part of the the il or of the questioner yeah like you can be clear about your intent like i didn't mean to offend you or whatever and we don't even need to be talking about this anymore if it upsets you or bothers you or is there something else we can talk about or can you maybe explain to me why it upset you so i can better understand like why that upset you so much so i cannot do that <laughs> you guys are reminding me that you can achieve critical reflection on just talking about what the claim is the act of defining it and, and isolating the claim and getting the claim really clear could in and of itself generate that kind of critical critical reflection that you're that you're seeking if you're doing SE. So if you have if report is strong and you've achieved critical reflection just at the claim level, then I would argue that you are doing SE. You've 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 done SE at that point, even though you haven't revealed confidence, reasons, or method yet. So so maybe uh maybe including the 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 goal or the 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 epistemological level in the criteria for being able to say that you you've done se maybe that's too high of a bar um yeah maybe maybe as long as critical reflection is happening regardless of the stage that you're at and rapport is strong 
then maybe it could be argued that you're doing SE. This so-called 30, 30-second 30 SE conversation. Could you, know, could you be wrong about that? Could you change your mind about that? You're done. Yeah. <laughs> there was a video on my channel. I've mentioned it many times in interviews, but like it was about karma. It was at a college campus. And we were. I asked him for his definition of karma. And by the time he gave his definition, he's like, you know what? I don't even really believe that that's true. <laughs> when he originally said that he believed it. So it was like, and he, he considered it, you know, and it's just like, gone, you know, it's very strange. Yeah, that's a, like strong yeah. beliefs loosely held. Right. But yeah. I, I, I'm wondering now if I, if, if I'd asked him his confidence level at that point, but it was really, it was odd. Uh, so, and in fact, I think we mentioned this in the course in module one, which is the course that we're reviewing, the module that we're reviewing, we mentioned that you can inadvertently generate reflection whether you intend it or not, um, at all, at all of the levels of SE, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like reflection only happens when you get to the epistemological level, but it seems like that's where the biggest bang for the buck happens. That's where the, the true consideration of people's confidence happens is at that deeper epistemological level. Yeah. When, when you start seeing shifts in confidence, when you look well, at I'm wondering if no, tests, yeah. Yeah, and reasons, uh, reasons sure reasons reasons in epistemology are so tied together and just because you're not you know is it possible that their that hit their epistemological methods were involved you just didn't see it because they weren't saying it out loud it was happening in their head good point he, he may be in his mind he's like how could i actually tell that that's true i don't have a good reason okay boom and then he just sort of and then there's other factors too, right? There's a camera pointing at him. There, it's not. It wasn't really like. Who who knows what factors were at play there with him, coming to that realization. I think people. Um, uh, we would hope that people uh, realize that they have reasons uh, for the things they believe, but not all. That's not always the case. People have beliefs that they haven't examined themselves, and so when you you know you stop to ask, well, why do you think that? They never had they that they may have not considered why it is that they thought that or or have come to that conclusion and so the first reason that they throw out is often not the real reason but it is the reason they've told themselves up to this point um it's the one that first comes to mind as the reason and um that's an interesting observation to make that though their first reason may not be the real reason why was that non-real reason the first thing they that they threw out was it because they feel that by offering this reason they're they're a good they're a good person or oh, there's so many reasons why somebody would throw out a non-good reason or a non-best reason as the first one they, they they say well like nathan was saying earlier that they could be giving a reason that they think you need to hear Yes. How many times, you know, somebody gives the God claim and they give, well, you have to read this apologist book. Three dozen times, I think I've heard, but they're giving me the reason that they think I would find convincing. It's not the reason that they find convincing. And you have to be careful. That's what's so great about the real reason check. Yeah. And then back to like un unintended uh, means of inspiring reflection. Uh, I've had people just change their mind just when you ask them what what 
just explain what you mean. <laughs> like, what does that word mean? Mm -hmm. uh, like, what does the claim even mean? Explain to me the claim. Like, what's the, what are the consequences of it? Uh, people will, like explain it, and then in the middle of it, just be like, yes. ah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> now that yeah. now that I'm saying it out loud, it doesn't make yes. any sense. It's, it's called well, hopefully the illusion you can use of one of those at Thanksgiving tomorrow. <laughs> yes, it's called the illusion of explanatory depth, right? The yeah. more you, the more you dig into it, the more you realize that I don't really understand this. Right, the what, why, how pyramid. It's like the very top. Just explain the claim a bit more, flush that out, and then. Yeah. But those have got to be those are the relatively unimportant claims, though, right? You know, if someone's willing to to kind of change their level of belief that that easily those aren't the ones that are really tied to their identity i wouldn't think mm. and i would always this know, is be a, a little comment too. here it, it will just if somebody is changing their mind really quickly on a claim then uh yeah maybe it's not an important one like to, to your point bob or maybe they're easily swayable and they're just kind of wishy-washy and they just go with the flow of things because they don't want to perturb other people um <clears throat> yeah what does this say? How do you handle all or nothing confidence levels? Hmm. There. Yeah, yeah. That, that, and that's that's very that's, common with religion. That's one right? of the that's, best that's, that's, ever. It's very common. Of course. You know, if you were to ask yeah. someone to their, their yeah, belief in God, 100%, they, they've been conditioned that they've got to be all in. Yeah. Well, we make a distinction in the course. In, this, in Module 1, I think, where we talk about the confidence, what we mean by confidence, and it's not the person's level of commitment to the belief. We want to assess how they feel, how how they they feel, how strongly they feel that the claim that they think is true is really true. That is what we're assessing. Um, but many times, despite my best efforts to roll out the scale, I usually get a commitment answer back. And you got to really pay attention. Make sure you're not getting a commitment. Right. Like number, I'm 100% but a, committed. A confidence number. Right, hmm. but uh, I mean, if someone says one hundred percent, it doesn't alarm me at all. In fact, I think a person who's one hundred percent confident that their claim is true might be an easier person to se than somebody who might say I'm at a sixty-five percent. A sixty-fiver has either just acquired the belief and they're they're building on it, so they're still in the process of forming the belief, or they've given it some consideration. And they're being they're being much more responsible, I think, in maintain and holding that belief if they if they give a middle number. Um, the number where I see the most confusion about is when someone says a fifty, and I, I think we're going to get into this when we write the module on on confidence. Yeah, uh, yeah, th that's quite. Uh, the, those who say fifty, uh, they are they're confusing a level of confidence for probability that is true. It's not, it's not a question of probability; it's level of confidence, right? Right. Interesting. See, I would say that they're they're confusing the scale. They're going back to binary. Very rarely will you get a gradient 50. But if you hear a 50, they're still thinking, well, it's either true or false. That's not what we're exploring. We're exploring yes. your feeling that it's true. Yes. To what degree do you think, do you feel that this is true? And if they still get a 50, then, then you can proceed. But a 50 is a warning sign that they've misinterpreted the scale. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, uh, the gradient, uh, level of confidence mean it gets, uh, a person to into a different kind of, uh, mindset, non-binary mindset of either it's true or it's false. 
Either you're confident in it or you're not. Either you believe it or you don't. This is the kind of this kind of binary thinking. With this confidence scale and gradational thinking, you can you can still believe it, but less so. And it can still be true, but possibly less so. It's, it opens up the question: um, Are there degrees of truth? Such as are there degrees of confidence? Can something be partially true? And can you be somewhat confident? It's you, you begin to realize that there there's it's a it's a more uh, colorful world of all possibilities, right? Yeah, we're going to keep talking about this in uh, the epistemology module and how confidence and all you know, it relates to epistemology. Is it even a good concept to even think about in terms of epistemology? I'm now even questioning these things myself, even though it's yeah. not really close. even after you and I talked about yeah. number 14. Oh, you're, you're about number 14. When did you talk about that? Let's did do this. Did you guys what do you know, we, I just um, called him up. What's question 14 on the survey? It's his statement on the survey. Hold on, let me see this. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. You're faster on it than me. I just got the <laughs> survey statements up. Without explanation for some for something, any answer is better than no answer. Well, definitely not. What do you think, Reed? Do you remember our, our, our talk about that? I think so. Yeah, because yeah, you want good explanations, right? So, should we? Uh, I mean, we definitely want to lay out all of our best explanations for sure, and then maybe rank them. Though, like, if we pick one, do should we put it on a scale, or should we not put it on a scale, or is there a better answer? <laughs> yeah. The ranking is a kind of scale in terms of priority or quality. I, okay. I like that better. Yeah. If you just, think it's A, if you think it's A, if you think A beats the rest of them, do you have a level of confidence about A? Um, no. I just take the top one seriously. Okay. Huh. And uh, if it is in that very, very rare circumstance where we have two competing ones that are equally good, then I'll just say, I don't know. And I take neither seriously. But I could still use them if they still solve problems. Hmm. That's just another way of thinking about it. Anyway. Okay. Well, we're going to get into that in phase two of the course, and I, I, I know. So the the next the next modules that are coming out, um, I mean, I know this discussion is about module one, but I really feel like we should talk about phase two. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about claims, confidence, reasons, methods, and uh, some other things like ending the conversation and then activism, that type of thing. But we decided to like skip all those and just go right to the epistemology and then work our way backwards. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, identifying what SE is, I'm, I'm glad that this module is finally done because I think there was a lot of confusion in the various communities about what it was or what SE is and so forth. And at least we have sort of a, there's a, 
a standard now <laughs> to go back to the standard there is a definition out there now that at least we're trying to popularize and and we've we've assembled that definition from contributors from around the world putting it together and we've tested it and i think it's i think it's good and i think it holds up for sure yep nice well i yeah. hope uh, everybody like you know digs into the course and then brings it to thanksgiving keep it in your back pocket just in case something comes up but uh you know make sure everybody goes easy on the hard spiced cider <laughs> you know before <laughs> that happens we just don't some get too crazy now yeah 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 okay. good all right you so we'll do we'll do more hours those. before the dinner oh snap i still need to go get bread rolls i think defrost they're your turkey the don't forget to defrost your turkey take it out early yeah Jeez. Oh, thankfully, I'm not cooking the turkey, but I'm, I'm like bringing libations and a couple of biscuits, basically. Nice. <laughs> so right. nice. But y'all have a good one, and uh, you know, eat eat enough and pass out and sleep all day <laughs> and watch some football <laughs> the next day, and Get don't buy idea. anything. <laughs> Just kidding. Everyone's gonna buy everything. Save your money. <laughs> yeah, and take the free course while you're at it. Module one is awesome. Yeah. Free course. Yep. Right. Link is in the description. We will potentially be back next week for module two. Stay tuned. Oh yeah, that's gonna be a really interesting one. Mm. That'll be fun. All right. The Street Epistemology Podcast is a production of Street Epistemology International. The views, guests, and topics expressed here or not expressed here do not necessarily represent those of the organization.